Well, good evening. Um, it's good to see a lot of y'all. A lot of y'all I haven't seen in, in a little while. It's, it's been, it's good to see your smiling faces. Um, um, this has been a very, very interesting time. Um, and, um, you know, even though we haven't been together as a body, um, I really have felt close, you know, because um, God is doing so many things in this house. He really is. And I've, I've really felt close to you guys, even though we haven't, haven't seen you. Um, and um, this week has been great. This week has really been great. And, um, you know, guy talk has been great these past uh, couple months. Like, we've had tons of guys on, um, you know, 20 guys sometimes. And one, uh, about two months ago now, almost two months ago, we had a, uh, a, a topic we were talking about. We were talking about fathers. And, um, you know, a lot of guys opened up. You know, some had good relationships with their fathers. Some, you know, had bad relationships with their fathers. Um, but then um, a topic came up, and the topic actually came up, and it came up in the next couple of God Talks. And uh, we were talking about um, just generational curses um, and how they can, you know, attach to us unknowingly. Um, sometimes we can sense it, you know, um, not quite know where it's coming from, um, you know, and so it, it really, it really struck me, um, as I've shared before that within the past year, you know, I lost my, my father the year before that I lost, uh, my grandmother on my, my mom's side. And so, you know, when things like that happen, you do a lot of reflection, you know, um, start thinking about things. Um, and, um, you know, I really started just, you know, searching my heart, how I felt about, you know, both of those, those situations. Um, you know, and then we just was talking about, you know, the generational curses. Um, you know, we know that we get certain things from our parents, you know, um, eye color, you know, hair color, you know, um, different mannerisms. Like if you watch little Isaac, uh, he actually, uh, when we both look in the sun, we both squint with the same eye. <laughs> you know, when we walk, me, him, and Naya, we walk on our tiptoes. You know, the little uh, idiosyncrasies, you know, that you can't, you know, you know, can't predict. Um, and it's the same with, you know, generational curses. It's, it's the same with, you know, whether it's, you know, some like anger or, you know, if it's, if it's lust, if it's, if it's deceit. Um, but one of the things that as I was reflecting that God showed me is that you never really, most people, especially now, don't really get to sit in a room with three other generations of their family and pick their brains, you know, ask questions. You know, um, one of the things that I really, because I always thought that, you know, um, my dad's side of the family, you know, really 
that was the side of the family that I got a lot of my negativity from or my lot of anger and bitterness. You know, he left when I was younger and, and um, he just was, was, was always, you know, just mean and, and everything. But as I got older, you know, when you start to understand things, you know, my, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side of the family, he, um, he ended up having two wives. He had my, my, um, my nanny and then he had the second wife, my granny. And so I just told you that my nanny died um, a little over, like I said, a, a year or so ago, about a year and a half ago. And I remember talking to my brother and I remember, you know, talking to her and she never got over my grandfather divorcing her. Um, she never got over him leaving her. And, you know, as I think back, you know, on my childhood, I think of back on my relationship with my uncle and my relationship, my uncle's relationship with his kids. And I could see it, you know, I could see how it affected him. You know, it affected him in ways that he didn't, he didn't really know how to articulate. It affected my mom, um, you know, and, and I always thought it was funny because my, my grandfather would always send my grandmother money. He would always send my nanny money, you know, and I, I never really got to ask him or talk to him about it, but it was almost like he was trying to atone, you know, for, for that. And it, you know, that type of stuff, you know, it just, just sticks with me, you know, like, what is it, what is the, are there some of the things, the hidden things, you know, that I want to make sure I don't pass on to my son, you know, or if it's a pitfall because of some transgressions that I've already done that he may encounter, how does he get around it? Um, and so one of the things that I decided uh, what God walked me through was um, really uh, there's, excuse me, um, the generations from um, Abraham to Joseph, because um, again, in, uh, in Numbers 14 and 18 and Exodus 20 and 5, it talks about uh, the iniquities of, of and the sins of the father visited not just three, but sometimes the four generations. Um, and so again, you know, on my dad's side, I never met my grandma, my grandfather. I just heard little bitty stories but god walked me through these four generations of of, of men of god of people that god called but that passed down generational curses that passed down um deceit and they did it through a bait and switch you know a bait and switch so you know when like say you know, I tell you, I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars and you're excited. And then, you know, I give you an envelope and I tell you when you get home, open it and you open it and it's a thousand dollars, but it's monopoly money. You know, it is a thousand dollars, but it's monopoly money. It's a bait and switch. You're thinking you're getting one thing, but you turn out to get something else. Um, and this showed up time and time again. Um, any generation. So I want to start with uh, Genesis 20. 
now again um, I'm gonna go over these stories um, I'm sure a lot of people may have heard it before but um, I've never heard it shared this way uh, broken down with all four uh, characters so bear with me and I hope that uh, you know we can learn something together um, so Genesis 20 verses 2 and 3 and I'm reading for the new King James. And it says, Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, when I, when I read this, um, so this is right after um, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and um, Abraham helped save Lot. Um, and this was also after God has already promised Abraham a son and he already promised him the son through Sarah. He didn't try it with her handmaiden. Uh, it, it, it didn't work. That's not what God had told him. And so yet and still, you know, God actually came to him pretty much in person and told him that he was going to have a child with Sarah. Um, but yet and still, while they were journeying through Kadesh, um, he decided to, to say she was his sister. Um, now, there's some truth to that. There is some truth that she was his sister, and we're going to go over to, to verse 9 through 13. Now, before I read there, once Abimelech had took Sarah, God came to him in a dream, and God told him, um, you know, again, that he, uh, was, he had took somebody else's wife, but he also has said that, but I'm an upright man. I did nothing wrong. I had no idea. I didn't know. Um, and so here, uh, in verse nine, it says, Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you said? What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought me? brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. You have done deeds to me that ought not be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me. In every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. So again, this is already after God has revealed to who Sarah was to him. Um, 
but he had already had a stronghold in his mind. He had already, through fear, decided that he was going to not necessarily forget what God said, but he had a better plan. You know, he wanted to um, ensure that he was okay, ensure that nothing would happen to him, but he almost caused this man to sin. You know, and if this man would have took Sarah, then what would have happened? You know, again, the reason why God chose Sarah, he, it was Abraham, Abraham was Abram, and then Sarah was Sarai. And so when God called them, he called both of them. When they came into their covenant, he called both of them and changed both their names. And her name, I believe, means queen, or is it princess? I think it's princess. Yes, her name means princess. And so... I will tell the young men in the audience, you know, we need to be, be careful, you know, um, because one, you don't want to ever want to touch something that belongs to somebody else because it could be a curse attached to it, you know, but also, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about strange women, you know, it talks about strange women and it talks about if you actually see a strange woman you actually run and go across the street. Like you don't talk to her, you don't, you make sure you run from her, you know? So it's, it's, I mean, it's important. One is importance in the name and it's importance to understand what you're looking for. Um, but we'll get to that later on when we get to uh, some of the other um, relatives. Um, but however, later on, Abraham was able to redeem himself. Um, he actually, when, when, Isaac was born, um, he actually was tested. So he had a chance to really prove that he trusts God, you know. And, it, and it's hard when you're, when you're the first. You know, Abraham was the first person that God made a covenant with. You know, I mean, he had relationships with other people. He talked to Noah and other people. But he made a covenant with Abraham. And so Abraham was a trendsetter, you know, trendsetter. Excuse me. And, and it all started with Abraham. And so, you know, you're going to make some mistakes. You know, he trusts God, but, you know, um, so he didn't make mistakes. But when once Isaac came and God really wanted to see, once he got what he desired, what, what, once he got what God said he was going to have, he, 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 um, he tested it. And we all know what happened um he passed the test um and so we're gonna move on we're gonna move on um to isaac um so abraham had isaac isaac was was the chosen son um and so if you turn to genesis 26 Okay, so this is after Isaac had already got married. Um, and it just, it, so here in verse 1, it says, 26 verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. 
Yes, it's the same Abimelech. <laughs> it's the same king. Um, and And then if you drop down to 7, 26, verse 7 through 11. And the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say she is my wife. Because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca, because she is beautiful to behold. Now, it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech king of the Philistines looked through a window and saw there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obvious she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So again, it's the exact same thing that Abraham did. Did the exact same thing. Now, I don't believe that Isaac knew this. Um, but again, out of fear of losing something that he held precious, he lied. And again, could have caused a whole nation to um, basically die. Because God, and in both cases, God was ready to avenge them. He was ready to avenge them because he had chose them. Even though, you know, they were in the wrong. They were in fear. You know, again, that's why, the, uh, you know, the Bible talks about touch not my anointed. You know, when somebody is called, when somebody is anointed, you have to watch what you're doing. You have to really watch and, and, and hear and really watch what you say about them. You know, um, you know if, if uh, a man of God stumbles or a man of God, um, you know, falls, just be careful what you say. Um, because God will avenge those he called. He did the same thing with, uh, with David and Saul. You know, um, Saul was killed and David killed the guy that killed him because he touched God's anointed. Um, and so you go a little bit further on and you, you will see that um, that Rebecca, Rebecca actually has kids. So she actually has twins. She has twin boys. Um, she ends up having twin boys. Esau and she has Jacob. Now, <laughs> I, I like this because it, it, it also talks about um, favorites, you know. Um, and so if you look at, um, Bear with me. I lost my place in my notes. 
Okay. All right. Um, there we go. Sorry about that. It's Genesis 25. And in Genesis 25, it talks about, again, where Rebecca had uh, her twin boys. Um, if you look at uh, Genesis 25, verse 25, and, and then, so, well, 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Now, the story continues, and it also it says that God has said that they were, one would be a mighty nation and the other would serve uh, the brother. And it actually said that the youngest will, will rule over the, the older. And so from this point forward, Isaac and Rebekah had picked sides. Isaac and Rebekah had decided they had favorites. It actually, the Bible says that, um, that Isaac loved Esau and that Rebecca loved, um, and that Rebecca loved Jacob, and so now here we see, you know, favoritism, and that you know, in, in a family, favoritism can be, can be rough. You know, it, it causes, it causes anger. You know, um, and it could call, cause bitterness and, and envy, um, and so, if you look at a. Uh, Verse 29 in uh, the same chapter 25, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew for lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. It says he despised his, his birthright. Now, you know, it's, it's always said about this story that, oh, he sold his birthright for, <laughs> for some soup. You know, for some soup, um, you know, and not, you know, I laugh, you know, people laugh, you know, somebody in the just laughed. Um, but, you know, what have we sold our birthright for? What have we sold out for? You know, what have we taken when we know what God has told us to do? We know what God has um, designed for us, you know, but do we take a bribe? You know, is it the, the easy way out? You know, the quick money, you know, the, the quick pleasure or, you know, just to be able to, to have a peace of mind today. But you know what God has told you. You know God has had has something bigger for you, you know. And uh, so that, that really struck me. You know, it's easy to say, 
you know, laugh at Esau, you know, but, you know, he, he actually said he felt like he was going to die. How many times, again, have we went through stuff? You know, God, just, just take this pain away. You know, you know, God, I, I, I feel like I can't do this anymore. And we take a bribe. Um, and so we move on again with, the, with Jacob and Esau. So later on, now again, Isaac loved Esau. You know, it actually talked about he, um, if you're reading a couple uh, chapters later, I'm not going to read all the chapters, but he talked about how um, he loved his, his venison. So Esau was a, a skilled hunter, and he was a man that worked with his hands. Um, and it actually described Jacob as a plain man. Um, but Esau would, would cook up the venison, which is deer, and he would serve it to Isaac, and Isaac, Isaac loved it. You know, that's why Esau was his favorite. Um, and so he was getting ready to bless Esau. Esau was the firstborn. You know, he was getting old. He lost his, his eyesight. You know, he was getting ready to bless Esau. But once again, um, Rebecca couldn't have this because Rebecca, again, she loved Jacob and she wanted him to be blessed. And so she, she devised a plan when um, Isaac sent Esau out to go, you know, get, catch some venison, cook it up for him, bring it back and feed him so he can bless him. Well, Rebecca had other plans. So Rebecca went and she um, got Joseph and told him, don't worry about your father. You listen to me now. Um, and what I want you to do is, so she had him cover himself with, with, with hair and fur, make himself look like Esau. Um, he even had, she went and she made uh, some meat that wasn't venison, but she made it in a way that was savory so that it would look exactly like what Esau would have made. Did all these different things. So when Esau, so when Jacob went in, he... Um, you know, it said, it's me. And so Isaac was skeptical. He was skeptical. And he, he asked him, he said, so, okay, you sound like Jacob, but let me feel your hands. Because, again, Isaac couldn't see. So he filled his hands, and, you know, he said, well, you, you, feel, like, you, you, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And so he, he ended up eating the food and, you know, after a few more questions, he blessed Jacob. And the Bible says not even two minutes after Jacob leaves with Esau's birthright, Esau comes in and he's pleading and he is begging with his dad. He comes in with his, with his venison and his dad has to, uh, to reject him. He tells him that I don't have any blessings for you. Your son, your, your brother has, has tricked you. So at this point, Esau's hot. He's like, he didn't, you know, this is the second time. It's the second time he didn't pull this bait and switch on me. It's the second time that he has done this to me. And so Esau wanted to kill him. And so now Rebecca sends him away. So Rebecca sends Esau away. And um, I'm sorry, Rebecca sends Jacob away. 
But she also has says later on that she, and these is all chapters. So chapter 27 was where Isaac blesses Jacob. And then So then after that, so in chapter 28 and 29 is when Jacob leaves. So Jacob leaves out, and in chapter 29, he actually, he meets Rachel. Now, before that, Rebecca has said she didn't want him to marry anybody um, that uh, the Hittites. So she wanted him to go to um, to his her um excuse me her brother um, and, and marry some of his kin um which is it was just interesting laban so he goes to, to laban and when he gets to laban now we we get to see that uh jacob starts to get a little taste of his own medicine so he sees rachel who is his uh his future wife and he wants to take her and, you know, Laban's saying, no problem, we can do that, you know, but if you would serve me for seven years, you could have Rachel. <laughs> so, no problem. Jacob says, I will serve you, I will work for you for seven years. He works for him for seven years. He prepares a banquet, prepares a tent, and says, okay, you can go in to Rachel, you'll have Rachel. He goes in, and then when he wakes up in the morning, Another bait and switch is it's not, it's not Rachel, it's Leah, her older sister. And so Laban says, well, I can't give you, you know, I can't give you Rachel until I, you marry my, my, my oldest daughter. She has to be married first. Now all this, again, now all this is in the Bible. Now I'm reading this and this sounds like a soap opera. Like it, it, it sounds like a, a, a straight soap opera, you know, but Laban was a real, he was a real hustler. You know, he was a real, real hustler. So, okay, so he says that, well, you married Leah because you had to marry her first because she was my firstborn. So now, if you want Rachel, you gotta work for me for another seven years. So he works for him for another seven years, no problem. Um, you know, he gets, you know, he gets Rachel. But then, later on, after they start having all these kids. Now, again, it's a soap opera. So it was a battle between the sisters and it was giving each other their, their concubines and that, that's how they ended up having 12 kids. Um, but this gets me down to the last generation. So the last generation was Joseph. Now, Joseph, so, Again, we're talking about three to four generations, right? So with Joseph, Joseph turned out to be different. Um, Joseph, so, we, so Joseph didn't, he didn't compound, um, he didn't compound the sin of his fathers. You know, he kept his heart pure. You know, um, Joseph <laughs> was the second youngest of the 12 uh, sons of Jacob. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure most of us know the story. He actually told his brothers that they were gonna serve him. And so, you know, 
most people would be angry, and especially if you think about it, he was the firstborn of Rachel, who their father really loved. He didn't really love the other brother's mom. So all this stuff was probably playing in their head, and like, you know, who does he think he is? So they sold him into slavery. But again, you know, so there was, there was four actually huge temptations and four bait, bait and switches that Joseph overcame. That was the first one. He was sold into slavery. Um, and um, so that's the first one. But Joseph was, was very good. He was excellent. Um, and so, you know, he rose up, you know, as a slave, and he actually started working in the master's house. And so if you turn to... Yeah, so if you turn to Genesis chapter 39. Now here, again, uh, Joseph is, is working in the master's house. And so if you look at verse 7, um, it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing, eye, longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused, verse 8, and he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor ha has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke for Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened after this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So again, it was back to what I was talking about earlier. He flee, he ran. He, he ran. He ran up out his clothes. You know, he, 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 he refused to, to, he was such a, a man of excellence, he refused. He refused to disobey, um, and he refused to his, his, lose his integrity. So, if you read farther down in that chapter, um, the, the woman lies, you know, as strange women do, as she basically said that he, you know, tried to rape her or whatever, um, and he gets thrown into prison. So that's the second temptation that Joseph withstands. Um, so if you look at uh, Genesis chapter 40 and through 45, we're going to kind of just paraphrase phrase that a little bit. Um, and so starting with chapter 40, now he's in jail, and there was the butler and the baker were in the jail with him. And, and one thing that Joseph could do, he was really good with dreams. He could discern dreams, and so they both had dreams, but they both didn't know what they meant. Um, basically, the one, his dream meant he was going to get hung, and he got hung. The other one, he, his dream meant he was going to go back to the house. 
And so only thing Joseph asked when he went back to the house, he asked that you don't forget about me. When you get back into the house, can you please let the, you know, tell the, the king about, about me? Well, again, another bait and switch. He helped the guy out and the guy forgot about it. So here he's sitting in jail. He's done nothing wrong. You know, how many of us would be, I mean, I know me, I would be murmuring, I would be complaining, I would be bitter, you know. I, I, I'd be, you know, I, I would potentially be bitter. I mean, you know, less happened to us and, you know, we, we ready to fight and, and cuss and kick and scream. And, but he, he, again, that's the third temptation that he endured. Um, and then finally, he does end up getting out. Now, when he gets out, um, he got out because he was able to discern Pharaoh's dream that nobody else could. And once he, he did that, he, he got out, he ended up being higher than what he was before. Um, long story short, now there's a famine in the land. So now there's a famine in the land in Egypt. Well, there's a famine all around. So now his, his brothers are looking for, for food. And so they go down to Egypt because Egypt is, you know, the biggest city around. And then that's when Joseph sees them. Now, at this point, to me, this is the biggest test because now Joseph sees his brothers and he, he has a, a chance for revenge. He, he has a chance for revenge, you know, again. And it almost looked like he was going to do that. You know, he had them go back and get their, get his brother. And he was, um, you know, he was having them jump through different hoops. But when it looked like he was about to just basically punish them or he, he had mercy on them. You know, he had, he had mercy on them. You know, he was so, so happy to be able to see his dad again and to see Jacob be able to see Joseph again, it, it really touched me. And so the generational curse stopped there with Joseph. Joseph stopped it right there. He stopped it because he refused. He refused to let it pull him out. To pull him out of his integrity of what God has showed him. God has showed him who he was going to be. God showed him that he was going to save his family. God showed him that his brothers would serve him. But even when they did, and even though he had them, he refused to, to, to have a hard heart. You know, he refused to have a hard heart. And so, you know, it goes on from there. Um, and basically, we have the 12 tribes of, of, of Judah now, but it, it, it really helped me to know, you know, that, um, that a curse can be broken. You know, a curse that can be broken. Anything that, that attaches to you, whether it's big or small, you know, you can, cause, because it's going to come. You know, you're going to have trials. I mean, a lot of this stuff that happened to Joseph, he didn't cause. You know, he didn't cause. It was the sins of the father, of his fathers, but he didn't sin more. Again, he didn't compound it. He didn't add to it. He refused to buy into it because he knew he had something greater on the other side. Um, and so 
Um, one last scripture, um, and that's Galatians 524. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Wait, that's not it. Oh, yes. Okay. Let me read that again. I'm sorry. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so, you know, again, it also is this not the, that's not the scripture. Okay. Galatians 3, 13. This is the what I was looking for. Sorry about that. So Galatians 3, 13. And it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree. I mean, that, that's, that's good news. Um, you know, that, that's good news. You know, Christ died, you know, and he bore all our sins. He bore all curses, too. So no matter, you know, generational curses, you know, people say they're societal generational curses and, and, you know, because of color of our skin or because of, you know, poverty or anything like that, you're never going to um, be able to overcome it. But that's not what that scripture says. It says we have been redeemed because Christ redeemed us uh, from the curse. And so um, that's all I have.